it is my birthday. I am 29 today. So I still have an excuse to act crazy and young, right? Because I'm still in my 20s, right? So uh, I'm actually really excited about today. Uh, when CJ asked me, he gave me two dates. Um, and I was like, no, I think I'll just do it on my birthday. That sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like uh, something that would be uh, memorable. So getting to, to share with you all uh, what I feel like the heart of the Father is this morning. And uh, let's get back a little bit so I can do this and get you know full range of motion here. Um, is everybody excited about the Creative Conference? I'm, I'm like really stoked. Um, I've been, I mean, I'm, I'm in it, so it's like have to be stoked, right? So, but I'm actually genuinely excited. I'm like, man, I feel like God's going to do something for me, you know? So I'm really looking forward to that. I don't have a ton of time, and I don't want to keep you uh, past 2 o'clock. You know, like 1.30 will probably be good. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I've, we've been talking about... Um, We've been talking about love, right? We've been talking about loving well. And uh, kind of the creed, if you will, that uh, CJ feels like the Lord has put it on his heart for this year is all of us just loving well. That's like our theme. That's like our mission. That's like our focus. It's how can we position ourselves to love well? How can we gain access to understanding what it looks like to love well? Have you ever thought about, like, sometimes when people say things, there's so many different interpretations you could have, right? You know, there are fathers and mothers out there who their idea of loving well, right, is inflicting grievous harm upon their children. <laughs> you know, like, more than just spanking. And, and that's not a funny scenario, but when we think about loving well, I think a lot of times our mind goes back to like our parents, right? Like what their disposition was like. My parents, I mean, I got whoopings. Like we had this paddle, and it was like, she, she thinks because I'm the youngest child that I didn't get disciplined well enough, and her aunt Mel thinks the same thing. <laughs> it's like, you're just the youngest child. I'm like, all right, all right. Uh, <clears throat> I did get spanked, thank you, uh, quite a few times, and mostly because of things that I did to my sister. And so <laughs> they would come after me. They had three, we had three different paddles. One of them was about this long, and it was about that big, and it had like, I think I counted the holes, like 48, 50 holes. Uh, and so whenever you swing this, and it, I think it was like oak or something, and so whenever you swing this thing, it'd be more aerodynamic. So you get more velocity connecting with your backside. And so uh, it was not exciting, and I would run in sheer terror anytime I knew that I was getting one. And uh, but man, you could put your hand back in self-defense because your hand would get mauled by that thing. So they'd always be like, "Move your hand, move your hand." You're like, no. <laughs> but see, there's a healthy respect I got for my parents <laughs> from that kind of occasion, and they ne they never wanted to do it. It's like one of those things like. Discipline isn't really fun, but it's kind of necessary, you know, for us to have an understanding because, I don't know, it, it's like sometimes in our hearts we'll just push to the absolute limit. And I think sometimes we're like, is anybody going to stop me? <laughs> like, I'm doing this. It's like, does anybody care that I'm doing this? Like, I'm pretty sure this is wrong, but I mean, <clears throat> and... I think we have this idea about loving well sometimes, that God is loving us well by being harsh with us. That's all I'm getting to. And I think God is a spanker, you know, obviously not physically, but in the sense that he's not angry, but he will position us in a place that is uncomfortable, so we have a greater awareness of what's right and wrong. Does everybody understand what I'm saying by that? Like a little discomfort helps us wake up to reality. And, you know, if the Lord, it was all marshmallows and rainbows all the time, I'm not sure we'd ever get it, you know? We can be pretty stubborn. I don't know about you guys, but I've, <laughs> I've been pretty stubborn in my past. But I think when we're thinking about loving well, we really need to have that connection with God as a loving Father. Like, that's the first place we really need to have a revelation of. Like, if you don't think that God wants to love you well in a healthy way, like, how are you going to love other people well? And so what I'm going to talk about this morning is to love well, first you have to be loved well. To love well, first you have to be loved well. And that means 
You have to understand how much God loves you. You have to get to a place of revelation where your spirit is coming alive to the fact that it's not just a little love. It's just, it, like, I think there's some Christians out there who think that the love of God, like, the height of it is he loves you just enough to not burn you for all eternity. <laughs> like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, some people think, like, God loves us so much, he doesn't want to burn us for all eternity. And, like, that's the limit. <laughs> it's like, he just feels so sorry for us, and he's so loving, he's not going to put us in a pit of fire for all eternity. And that's, like, the lowest level of God's love and extent of it is, is like, hey, yeah, I don't want you to be in misery. I don't want you to be in discomfort. I don't want you to be in pain. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? But there's so much more than that. Like, God didn't create you to prove how cool he was. He didn't create you to flex his, you know, creative muscles and be like, you know what, I can, so I might as well. You know, he didn't do it to impress the angels. You know, he wasn't like, hey, Gabriel, check this out. Boom, planets. Pretty amazing. Are you impressed? Uh, and Gabriel's like, yeah, that's very nice, very nice. It's like, you know, they're going to screw that up, right? You know? <laughs> oh, man. But uh, he didn't do it as a sign of his strength. He didn't do it because he was bored. He didn't do it because of maybe all these human reasons that we might have for doing something like that. Like if you had the power to create a universe, you'd be like, I'm so awesome, I'm going to do this. You know, all the egotistical things that a human might do with that kind of power, he did it because he's love. And I, I hear a lot of people argue, you know, how can he be love if, you know, the world is so broken? And we, we can talk about free will and how... God didn't want to create robots, so he gave us the ability to make choices. And there's also a faith and a hope about God. I don't know if some people realize that he is very hopeful. He's full of hope. He's the source of it. He actually believes that we can come to a place of redemption. He believes that about his creation. That he's saying, actually, I know because you're created in my image that I can draw you out of your bad choices. I can pull you with my love. I can attract you with my love. Hey, there's love over here. Check it out. Hey, neon sign love. You know, I can attract you, get you to pull over and say, hey, did you know there's a better way? There's a better path. And he has hope for humanity. He has faith that they're going to come into agreement with his absolute perfection and goodness. He's got a lot of faith. That's how you can have faith. Your faith is a gift from the one who is full of faith. That's how you have it. It's supernaturally imbued in you from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. And so, first you've got to be loved well. And coming into that understanding of being loved well. And then as you're loved well, you get transformed. Things about you change. Because we're in a broken world, our soul goes through a process. It's like... The first time you get told no. I mean, I don't think I remember that. Most people probably don't remember that. But it's like the first time as a child that you're trying to do something that you're interested in, and then all of a sudden you hear this, no. This I wonder if it's like adult voices sound super low to children because they're always like, ah, bah, bah. so it's just like, no. You know, and you're just like, you know, you're just like, what's going on? And you're, you're not really connecting the dots of what, a, what is a no? What is no? I don't know. I'm going to stick my hand into this electrical socket. You know, it's just like I'm going to grab these two wires right here, and you're hearing this no, and then all of a sudden, you know, depending on who your parent is, it might be a swat, or it might be like them just gently grabbing it, uh, depending on their disposition, of course. And some parents are more panicky than others. You know, it's just like no, just like fly across the room. Oh God, this because I love you. I'm so sorry. It's just like, and I'm a projectile. Okay. Uh, And so we have this thing in our soul where we're growing in boundaries, right? But the world's boundaries and what we're taught by the world in its broken state, kind of like, I don't want to say programmed because it sounds so permanent, but it kind of teaches us what's quote-unquote right and wrong, right? And so because we don't have perfect parents, we don't definitely don't have perfect friends, Sorry, guys. And uh, 
<laughs> Bethany's like, you're not talking about me. Uh, we don't have perfect friends. We don't have perfect family members. All this brokenness happens around us as we're growing up. And so our soul learns things that aren't necessarily true. Our mind, our will, our emotions, we, we learn to adapt in an environment the best way we think we're supposed to or the best way we're taught. And so what happens is we actually have to be transformed when we're born again. Our soul has to be transformed back to the original purpose that God had. And that comes through our connection with the Word and with the Spirit. Okay? So that's just a little blurb. It's about being loved well, and then it's about being transformed through our relationship with God. He corrects our ideas. He knocks our marbles out. (laughs) You know, He takes out those bad ideas and the dysfunction and the things that don't work and the things that don't reflect love and he teaches us and he shows us and sometimes you know he does swat our hand away from touching the hot stove because it's better to have a little pain than a lot of pain down the road and so sometimes i think we get mad at god like why i mean i've done it i'm like why did you let that happen to me and he's like well do you want to be completely dysfunctional for the rest of your life (laughs) i was like no but it still hurts (laughs) and that's why he's also the comforter (laughs) because he you know it's funny to me that god's a comforter but it's like, in heaven, do you really, like, need comfort? You know what I mean? Isn't that, like, have you ever thought about that? He's the comforter. It's part of his nature, right? It's his nature to comfort. But if there was no brokenness, and so it's, like, almost like a special part of him that he, I don't know. I don't really understand that. But it's, like, special part of him that he has for humanity, because he knows we're going to be in pain, and he knows we're going to have issues, and he knows we need comfort. And so he, like, issues that comfort. And so God loves you, and even when it hurts, and you get a whooping. So once transformed, final stage, we naturally start to gravitate towards loving well. So as we're transforming, it's a process, and, and certain parts of us will start to love well, but the closer we get to God, the easier it is to make choices causes us to love the people around us and in sometimes go against years of what we think is our personality i don't like people you know actually you're made in the image of god so you do you just don't know it yet (laughs) god no part of god is like i really don't like people you know i mean i'm sorry you think you don't but you really have that inside of you it's just that you have certain glasses on that have all the the things that people have done to you over the years, and you're like looking through that lens, and you're like, man, these people are terrible. I mean, that's just like, I can't trust anybody. I've got like 40 knives on my back, and I'm just like hobbling down the road trying to get by, you know, (laughs) depending on your upbringing and, and who you work with. And, you know, Billy got the promotion because he stole your idea, you know, that kind of thing. And And there's just so much that causes us to try and change the way we think in reaction. And that's why we got to be grounded in the Word. That's why we got to be like, okay, the Word is the source. And so as we continually are walking along that path, being transformed, we're beginning to love well, okay? And so I'm going to go into a little bit of that. And uh, the title of my sermon, uh, I told one of the guys at work this, and he's like, oh, Joel Osteen, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, it's kind of funny. But uh, the title of my sermon is Becoming the Best You in 2017. So yeah, Joel is Sounds like a bad self-help book, right? You know, uh, so <laughs> becoming the best you. And then some guy on the cover, like, you know, just really cheesy smiling. Um, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> okay, so the truth is there is no completely easy express route to becoming God's full intent for you as a person of truth and power. Your design as a human being is one that you have to decide what you want to grow into. You get to choose who you look like. You can look like the creator or something else. And without your will, God's will for your life will never be completed. So your will is involved. He has a sovereign will. He does. And a great purpose for the earth and humanity that will be fulfilled. How do we know that? It's written in scripture. The the ending's already written, right? So he has a great purpose that will be fulfilled. It's not a question of Will God resolve this brokenness with humanity? He's going to. That's his sovereign decision, and he's already declared it 
in his word that this is going to happen. But there's a will for your life too. And you actually get to partner with that and decide, do I want to partner with him? And so isn't that fascinating that he can have a sovereign will, but he can also give you a will. And so he has a sovereign will and a great purpose that will be fulfilled with or without you. But he's, a, he's fascinated and passionate about what you can become. And so he wants you to become the best version of yourself. He wants you to understand what it means to be made in the image of God. Like, that's what we're coming back to. Ever since Jesus resurrected, came out of that tomb, and this great awakening happening of, oh, we can have access to God. The veil was torn in the temple, remember? It was torn from, I think, the top to the bottom. And uh, from scholars, they say it was a really, really thick curtain. And so it was just, you know, a complete act of God. Boom, when he's uh, dying on the cross. This veil is torn, and it's symbolic of us having the veil taken over our own eyes and seeing God for who he really is. And that God's actually not just going to stay in the holy place. He's going to make a holy place in you. He's coming to live inside of you. And so he's fascinated and committed to this process of us coming back to what it means to be created in the image of God. Okay, so God's will for us requires our will. God's will isn't always done. Now, you go to some places, and they're like, well, that's just God's will, brother. I'm like, the, it, it, they died in a car accident. <laughs> I don't know if that was God's will, okay? Um, I'm not sure, you know, Johnny murdering Billy was God's will and great plan for the world. Um, so I actually had a little thing on this to give you some perspective. So sin happened, right? Adam, Eve, there was a reptile involved. Does everyone remember this story? <laughs> Christy can tell the story by heart. (laughs) She's the children's pastor. So uh, (laughs) if God created a world where he wanted wanted sin to happen, wouldn't that make God sinful? Like, have you ever thought about that? If he actually wanted sin to happen, wouldn't that mean he would have some type of defect, right? So it, it wasn't God's will for the world to fall into a sinful state. And why am I telling you that? Because God's will isn't always done. That's a proof that God's will isn't always done. Okay, so just so we're on the same page. Not everything that's ever happened to you was God's will for your life. Some of you need to know that. Like the bad things that happened to you, I mean, I've had some bad things happen to me, and I've had a lot of healing, (laughs) like needed a lot of healing uh, for those areas. And I needed to know God wasn't planning for that to happen to me. Did he know it was going to happen? Yes. Was he there? Yes. Did he want it to happen? No. Okay. So, yeah, I can skip that part. So I've got a few things I feel like are going to help us get some junk out. We're just going to, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you ever watch Hoarders? <clears throat> okay, that, like, that is a good metaphor for what my insides must have looked like to the Holy Spirit before I let him in. It's just like, no, I'm keeping all of my hatred and I'm keeping all of my issues and I don't want to give any of it away. Like, I watched that show. There was a lady and she had like rotten eggs on the counter and her family's like going through. They're like, there's rotten eggs. She, I might need them. I'm like, for what? What are you going to use that for? I mean, it's rot. It's an egg that's rotten. It's been on your counter for months. And like, and they're like sleeping in garbage. Like, if they put their hand off of their bed, it's like on a pile of garbage. You're just like, oh. Oh, honey, you just like want them to like, hey, let me take you out to dinner. All right, burn it down, burn it down. <laughs> just Here's a new house. Okay. Uh, and some of that, our insides are like that. You know, it's just like, uh, no, I'm not going to forgive that person ever for what they did to me uh, because I'm somehow getting justice from hating them forever. Uh, <laughs> I am always going to think that about that person, no matter what God thinks about them, even though he's like, has a plan for their life. I don't need to know about that plan. I don't need to think about it. He can deal with them, you know. We kind of have these things that we're like keeping the junk in there. And, uh, and so God's wanting to get some junk out. And I feel like he gave me a few things this morning. And Candy's word was right on. I was like, she's preaching my sermon, girl, come on. Um, so there's a process here. First, we need to be informed of love and what it looks like. We need to know. We need to see clearly what does love look like. 
uh, and how does it relate to us? And then second, we need to choose to be transformed into the image of love. Back to our original purpose. And so that's the redemptive process. Some people call it sanctification, but I think that's, that's a part of it. And getting the cleanliness, that's very important. But the purpose is for love. It's not God like, man, you're dirty and you need cleaned. That's true. But the more important thing is you're getting clean so you can love well. So you can shine. You know, you gotta, you got to shine up. got to get the wax on you a little bit, you know. So when you walk into work, people are like, is it the new you? And you're like, yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. It is the new me. Glad you noticed. So it's Jesus in me. The hope of glory. Yeah. Try it out. It's free. Cost you everything. Yeah. Isn't that funny? The gospel's free, but it costs you absolutely everything. <laughs> it's like Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm like, I don't want to be crucified. It's like, I don't want to put myself on the altar. And then third, we'll see the fruit. The fruit comes out once the junk is gone. The, the soil gets fertile once the junk is gone. Because once the junk is gone, God's like, you know where that big old pile of unforgiveness was? I'm going to plant some joy there. Oh, man. Woo. Give that a little time. Let the spirit water that little plant. It's going to grow up. And that's going to be increasing joy because it's growing. You know, what God does is from glory to glory. So when he plants something in you, ha-ha, you get filled more and more and more from that first initial planting. It's very exciting. I'm really excited about it <laughs> right now. So, all right. So here's some junk we need to get out, out. And so, all right. So we need to come to a place where we know, believe, and accept different forms of God's goodness. The biggest enemy of God's goodness and its different forms is religion. And I don't mean religion in the sense of good religion, like taking care of widows and orphans. I'm talking about the organization of man based off of their ideas that are actually outside of God's original intent. I think what's happened a lot with like the orthodox kind of churches is that in the beginning there was a methodology that really worked for them. Like, okay, most of the population can't read. What do we need to do to help them learn? Let's make, let's make pictures. Let's uh, just make the church like one giant picture book. We'll put stained glass and paintings and all these things. And all these things will speak about God because most of the population, does, they're not literate. They can't read. And we're doing it in Latin all the time, and the church won't let us change it. So we're going to have to do a giant picture book on the church walls, all right? And what if we did, like, murals in here? You know, that would be exciting. But that's, that was why some of that imagery happened. And so what happens is people get stuck in their methodology, they get stuck at the, well, it's the way we've always done it. <laughs> so it works. You know, if it's not broke, don't, why fix it? But God knows more than us, and he sees the future. And there are generations that are being born that actually new, need new methods. The old methods sometimes won't work for a new generation. And the church has been so stuck in the past that they don't understand. God's saying, hey, actually, I have some new ideas I was wanting to run past you. You're like, we got it, God. This thing you gave us 50 years ago, working like a charm. And it is working to an extent. To an extent. There is grace on it. Why? Because God gave it. He gave the gift, right? So it's not that the methodology is necessarily evil, unless it's anti-biblical. But some of that methodology is out, becoming outdated and not the fullness of God's grace for the moment. There is a glory on it, but maybe there's an express and fuller extent of his glory that he's releasing now. And I, I think that's actually, if you like read through Acts and some of the things, they don't really tell like how their services functioned that much. Like there's like some mention, but like the actual methodology is not very like, there's a, there's a lot of things that happen. Like they would bring their, um, they would bring their offerings to the feet and lay them at the feet of the apostles for them to, to use. Um, and then there would be things like they would go from house to house and they would all be in unity and all of these different factors. But as far as like exactly what happened in each service and this is how you're supposed to run it, this is what it's supposed to look like, this is the type of music you're supposed to do, this is what the music sounds like, don't use this chord, use this chord. A lot of that is, is absent. Why? Because God knows what people are going to need in each generation. And there's a certain flexibility in God that we don't understand. Because we know that the word is unchanging, we think that there's nothing about God that does change. 
Well, that's true. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he's new every morning. Wrap your brain around that. Uh, what? So you're the same, but you're new every morning. Okay, I don't get it either. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but there are things that God is opening up to. The truth doesn't change. The direction is always Jesus. We're never going off of that, that path, right? It's always Jesus. I'm never, like, Muhammad is never going to be the guy I listen to. <laughs> it's like, God isn't going to go one day. It's like, actually, guys, he's got some good ideas. No, no. It's always Jesus, all right? It's not Buddha. It's not Krishna or all these guys. It's Jesus, okay? Only one that's going to do it for you. He's the only answer. That's never going to change. Never. But maybe the way we do a service might, you know? Maybe God's delivering a certain grace in the moment. So I think we need to understand that he's unchanging, but always creative, you know? Um, I mean, especially if the universe is constantly expanding, like, how does that even work? Does that mean God's still creating or his initial creation self-creates? Like, I don't even know how that works. So, but it's something interesting to think about. Okay, so don't get stuck in methodology. That's really what religion boils down to, is the ideas of men and not listening to what God's saying to do right now. So accepting the different forms of God. Maybe some of you did not appreciate the wonderful dance my wife did that was prophetic, you know? I don't know. Maybe some of you are like, okay, I'm, I love you guys, and I know you guys are, you know, not complete weirdos, but I still, that doesn't really gel with me. So I'll let you do your thing. I'll stay on this side of the road. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like, I do that sometimes. Like, somebody will be up and ministering. I'm like, I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> I don't like your style. I don't like your hair, but God bless your hair. He loves your hair. You know, uh, <laughs> it's, it's when you preach and you get excited, it flops because it's a piece, you know, it's a hair piece. <laughs> it's like, I'm having trouble focusing on what you're saying. And <laughs> I'm sorry, if you've never had somebody that's preaching and they're into it and you're just like having total trouble concentrating because they're just like, you know, having the, 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 like something's going on or, you know, like something, they're having a fashion malfunction. And you're just like, I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you. <laughs> and you're like having to pray in tongues just to hear what the guy is saying. And you're just like, oh, Lord, I know you have something for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So we've got to grow in our methodology. We've got to be able to move, not necessarily with the world, but I will say this, that God created people, right, and he has, he has called for certain things to be released in certain generations. I really believe that. Like, if you look at the exponential technology increase in the last, you know, 150 years, it's phenomenal. It's, it's just blowing up how much new technology we're getting all the time. And I believe that was an appointed time by God. And I believe he releases these seeds of creativity in his creation, which are people. And those things sometimes will spring up with or without the church's permission. And a lot of times because the church doesn't want to sow in the garden that God has prepared. And so, you know, I don't know how I feel about this, but guys, there's heavy metal Christian bands. I don't know how I feel about that, but my first inclination isn't they're the devil. I don't know what to think. But maybe that person is hearing something that I'm not hearing from the Lord. I don't know. And so I'm asking God. I'm like, God, until you tell me what you think about that, I'm not going to judge them. And so it's different when somebody's lifestyle is a wrecking ball. Came in like a wreck. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> it's like, I don't think that, I mean, there's some redemptive quality in you somewhere, but it's not really visible right now. You know, uh, you have to have eyes to see the golden people, even in their mess. And there's gold inside of even that particular person. There's great gold. Um, and so, uh, all that to say, just keep your eyes open on what's happening in world and advancement too. Just because it's out in the world and not in the church doesn't make it evil. I mean, that's hard for some people. They're like, but the church didn't come up with that idea. 
how do we know it's from the Lord? I'm like, have you seen some of the church's ideas? I don't know. You ever heard of a guy called Constantine? He had a 100% conversion rate, not because he was so good at preaching, because everyone who said no was dead. (laughs) Not a great evangelism plan. Who knew? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Okay, so we need to be flexible in our methodology and listen to the Spirit. He's got great ideas for this generation. Okay, and here's another thing. People in unforgiveness or bitterness... We got to get it out. We got to export, get it out, the unforgiveness and bitterness. I, I feel like a good sign sometimes that you're unforgiving and bitter is that even though you're hungry for God and want Him, it's like something is like, rah, there's like, I want to be close to God, and but I never can quite get there. You know, I think I, I'm trying to make the connect myself, but I feel like there's something about unforgiveness that blinds us to the open hand of the Lord. Because we don't have an open hand to people. You know, it's like we have this closed fist, and we're like, no, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm not going to give you goodness out of me. And something about that, I think, blinds us to the fact that God's like, hey, here you go. I'm free. Take me. I want to fill you. I want to love you. I want to show you these things. I want to bless you. I think there's something about unforgiveness that causes us not to have our faith connect with the open hand of the Lord. So, man, you got to get that unforgiveness out of your life. And some of you are like, but I hate that guy. (laughs) It's like, the Lord doesn't. He really loves him, even though he might be a stinker, you know? I was a stinker. None of you would have liked me. I mean, I'm telling you, I was was a bad person. Um, (laughs) My parents have probably had to forgive me a lot too, man. That's something to think about. So it's like there's a gaping hole in your heart, and even when you're encouraged or you get prophetic words or you read all the promised scripture books, you know what I'm talking about? It's like God thinks all these things about you. It's like it doesn't hit. I think a lot of times that's unforgiveness and bitterness in there, and it's because you're not merciful, you're having trouble getting mercy. Because you're not allowing yourself to give freely, you have trouble believing that there's a free gift for you from the Lord. And so if that's something that's happening to you where you, you feel like you're not getting the free gift, you're like, I know it's free, but I can't have it. You know, and I'll talk to people sometimes and they'll be like, I just, I can't do it. You know, I can't, the Lord isn't doing this for me kind of a thing. I'm like, well, maybe we need to look at a couple things. So there's healing for that. I mean, Father's Heart is a great serve, uh, aid, you know, that can, they can help you with that. Getting some of that deep stuff out, uh, some forgiveness. And then there's the really obvious stuff, guys, that we just know we need to do. It's like, I've been holding on to that for 10 years. Maybe it's time to move on with my life, you know? It's like, I've had this rotten egg on my counter for 10 years. Maybe I should throw it in the trash because it's not helping anybody. I mean, especially if it's something that long ago, guys, that happened to you like in your childhood or something, that person might not even remember you. I mean, I don't know why you're focusing on that. Just let it go. Just say, God, I forgive them. I release them. I ask for healing. Easy peasy. And then there's some stuff that we can get ministry for. Um, guys, it's not hard to forgive once you get into a habit of doing it. It's like a muscle. I'm telling you, if you guys will start forgiving, it's like a muscle. It gets stronger. It's just like, okay, that person just really offended me, and like your face gets hot, and you're just like, I want to tell you about the salvation that I'm, you're never going to have. Wah, 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 you know, and just like go after that person and, uh, <clears throat> and write them emails and leave them uh, anonymous letters. Uh, and uh, let it go, guys. Just let it go. Okay, so that muscle can get strengthened. All right, and here's one thing that I feel like this has been kind of new because I think the church has had this thing where only the layman can minister. That's the right word, right, layman? Only the ministers can minister for a lot of, a long time. You know, that's how it was. Um, and so this, I don't think this was as widespread because this was a, an issue with people who were actually in acts of service for the Lord. Um, but I feel like there's this thing where we, I, we cause breakthrough to become an idol. And especially when breakthrough starts happening, we need to be aware and not scared. Everybody's, you, you said idol, and, you know, and you like see that little thing in Indiana Jones and the music's like, Wah. You're like, oh, it's creepy, you know. Uh, let's, no, let's not be scared. Let's just be aware, okay? 
There's no fear in love. But something about expressing God's goodness, about radical miracles, about all these things that happen, we need to be aware that those things can, can cause us not to focus on where the credit is going, but what's happening. Yes, that's awesome. But if I'm constantly focused on what God can do and is doing more than I'm focused on him, that's, I, I think the best way of describing that is going after God's hand and not his heart. Not, if, what's the breakthrough that happens around you, and I'm going to give a biblical example of this just to cement it for you, but if you're so focused on the victory that you're not looking back at the one who actually gave you the victory, it can cause some issue there. And so a, a real-life example might be somebody who's obsessed with being on a worship team. Like, cannot stop thinking about it. They're constantly self-promoting. They're like, I am as loud as possible about that and projecting it everywhere, and no one's inviting me. And it might be because you're doing that. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're not supposed to be on the, the worship team here. Have you asked God about it? Like, have you asked him, is that my role? Is that where I'm supposed to be? And that's like, people are like, but that's the only place I feel welcome. I'm like, maybe that's not the only place that you're strong in. Or that you need, that's, it might not be your season. Maybe it's going to be down the road. Like, you know, there are, are things that, I, I actually love preaching and teaching. It's one of the things I really enjoy to do. I've been here for four years. I graduated from Bible school. I did all this. I don't care, guys. I love any, any way that God can use me. I've come to a place in my life where I'm just like, I just love to be used. So if it's one-on-one, if it's counseling, if it's worship, it's, um, if his presence is in it, I'm there. Guys, and his presence is with you on so many different areas that you all you have to do is turn and be like, maybe if I bake this pie for Joe, the Lord's presence can be there. Because the Lord gave me this idea, like, make Joe an apple pie. And then you give Joe an apple pie, and he's like, my grandma used to make the apple pies, and the Lord loves me. And you just minister to that person maybe something more powerful than they could have gotten from an altar ministry. Because you made him a pie. You don't know what God can do with the presence on you in normal everyday activity. And when we're like, but I've got to be on the worship team. No, no. The worship team actually doesn't apply to like 95% of life. A lot more than that. Like 99% of your life is not going to be on a stage leading worship. It's not the most powerful thing you can do. It's just a thing. It's, it's just a thing. It's just a method. It's just a way. Preaching in front of people prophesying and everyone in the room seeing you. It's not the most important thing, guys. It's just a thing. It's not that. It's not any more powerful than you baking a prophetic, <laughs> prophetic pie for Joe, okay? Or sewing a quilt for a homeless person. And suddenly they realize, oh, God loves me. I have a quilt, and this person said that Jesus loves me, so I'm connecting the two. And every day that that person is warm under a bridge in winter, they remember God loves me because they're warm. Do you not think that that could be more powerful than somebody coming up for prayer for the hundredth time? You know what I'm saying? I'm not dissing prayer. That's great. Let's do it. We're going to do it today. I'm saying, what can you do that's a radical act? What can you do with God's presence? Don't get stuck on doing something inside the church walls and be seen by people. Who cares if you're seen? It, you being seen is not necessarily going to change everybody's life or, or ha- even having a positive impact on you. Do you know how many celebrities are seen? And they're tired of being stalked by paparazzi. <laughs> I mean, being seen doesn't equal success. <laughs> All right? So it's not about being seen. It's about, can I love well? Okay. So don't, don't go for the hand. Go for the heart of the Lord, which is love. Okay. So let's get that out of the way. Oh, and the biblical example I was going to give you is, is Gideon uh, makes a golden ephod. And um, it turns into an idol. And what is an ephod? It's, it's, it was God's idea, right? He told them when they were making the tabernacle where Moses and all those dudes hung out with the Lord. And uh, Moses and all those I am very eloquent. <laughs> them dudes and Moses. <laughs> uh, Aaron and Moses were ministering to the Lord for the children of Israel. And they had the ephods that they wore, right? So they have these priestly garments. Well, Gideon makes a gold one, and it turns into an idol. And the original idea was God's, right? An ephod, right? And so it turned into an idol. Same way with the, the snake in the wilderness, the, the bronze snake. 
when all the children of Israel have all these fiery snakes. What is that? Komodo dragons? I don't know. What's going on? Poison snakes? And all these snakes are going on, and all the Israelites are like, we're dying. He says, if you make the snake and they'll all look at it, they'll get breakthrough and they'll be healed. And so what happens generations down the road is they turn that into an idol. The snake. It was just a way God was working at that moment. And they idolized it. So just something to think about. Don't look at the hand, look at the heart. Okay. Um, living for sin because you don't know or believe in God's goodness. And everybody's like, yay, sin, my favorite topic. Especially like if you're like currently having issues, you're just like, yes, I, I definitely wanted to hear somebody preach about this today. It's like, I love feeling uh, conviction. It's my favorite. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's always the best when you don't expect to feel conviction and then suddenly your heart's like, oh, oh no, that's me. That's me. Um, okay, so... You need to know the difference between good and evil. That comes from the word, um, and that comes from the spirit, and that comes from, you know, biblical training and all that. But it's not just that. The word without the spirit uh, isn't going to help you. It's just a book. Like, how can you say that? I'm like, do you know how many people have read the Bible and done really stupid things? You actually have to have the counselor with you to counsel you on the correct way to apply what the Bible is saying. Did you know most of the Quran is plagiarized from the Bible? A lot of it? Some of the same, you can look and there's verses that are almost identical, just stolen from the Bible and you can tell it. So how could he take the word and, well, he didn't have the Holy Spirit. He had probably a spirit, but not the Holy One. (laughs) And so there's, guys, you could read the Bible wrong. I'm telling you. There's lots of people to do it. Just because you have the word of God, without the spirit, it's not, going to be, it's not going to be helpful for you. You have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying it's hard. It's just like you welcome him into the process and have faith that he's going to show you. That's simple. That's simple. It's not hard. It's like, oh, am I reading this wrong? Don't be afraid. Just be like, okay, God, I invite you into this process, and I trust that what I'm reading and what I'm hearing is going to be from you. Okay? Simple. And so, but the thing with sin is, is that it's going to cloud your vision. So you need to get sin out of your life because it clouds your vision, okay? You're not actually going to hear completely properly. It's not that the Lord can never reach you, but it's, there's something about sin that shades our vision and causes us to, it's like we're before the veil was torn. It's like we're not having our ears perked to what God is speaking. And so that's the thing. And so... If you can't keep basic commandments, like don't commit adultery, I'm not sure that you're going to be hearing accurately from the Lord. Like if you're deciding to go against the basic principles of don't worship other, don't worship idols, don't steal, don't lie, these things cloud our vision. And how can we know truth if we're refusing the basic principles of truth? You know, but I don't have to follow the law. I'm in grace, you know. It's just like... Okay, but I don't think grace means you get to be stupid. Like, sin is stupid, guys. It's a bad idea. Like, that's so harsh. No, it's dumb. That's why God said, hey, this is dumb. That's why you don't do it. I'm commanding you so you won't be stupid. And you can choose love. You know, sin is trying to get God's will your way. You know, what is adultery? It's like, well, I thought what I wanted was in someone else. It's like, but you made a covenant. You made a covenant, and when you make a covenant, the source of blessing isn't the person, it's the covenant. You're not getting your blessing from that person. You're getting it from the covenant that you made because God established it. The blessing comes from your choice. And we're like, but I think that other person's better for me. Actually, the covenant is better for you. And so that's just something to think about. Okay, so sin can blind us. So that's another thing. Okay, so I'm moving on. Once we have, these are just a few things that I, I felt like the Lord was putting on my heart to share. But once we start unpacking some of the garbage and we get off of, you know, Hoarder's TV show and we're forgiving and we're letting these things, God, clean us out and we're laying our life down. I think this is kind of where my life really changed. It's like, you know, you kind of do that thing where it's like, 
I really love God, but this over here, you know, and there's like, you're trying to do both at the same time, and like, this foot will drag a little bit over here, then you're like, but over here, and you're like, trying to keep it in God still, and you're like, but I can almost reach that horrible thing for me, and uh, you know, that kind of struggle that some people have, and the Lord calls it being lukewarm, you know, spewing you out of his mouth. You know why I think he spews people out of his mouth? (laughs) You're like, what are we talking about now? You know, in Revelation uh, you're neither hot nor cold, so he's going to spew you. <laughs> it's such a funny scripture and terrifying. I think he does it because it's better for us to not try to access goodness and fail than rather just be absent from it and realize we need it. I, I really think that's why he spews. It's just like, no, why don't you just go, go do your thing, find out once and for all the goodness ain't there. You know, I don't think he's like promoting sin. I just think it's like, you're not getting anywhere. You're going to be like this forever because you just won't choose. And so sometimes I think he spews us. Like I was very spewed in my early 20s. I was very bad, very bad. Uh, (laughs) And so I got spewed and then I came unglued and then I came back and choose. I don't know. Sorry. I'm rhyming. So once you lay your life down fully, that's when you're going to see fruit, guys. The transformation really starts to to reach critical levels when you decide, I am crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And once you reach that place, it becomes your mode to seek the Lord's opinion, to seek his will for your life, to seek the best. And once you sacrifice your life, choosing the hard thing isn't as hard. Like, if you talk to anybody who's, like, full-blown for, for God, once it comes to that place where it's like, you know, I want God or nothing, once you reach that decision point and you're done trying God, like trying to get the sampler platter, but maybe the world is a, you know, it's a little bitter at the end, and then you're like, God is like, oh, it's really good, but it's like, I have to, like, not eat that, and I really like that. So I think once you get to that place where you decide to just, you know, go full veggie platter over here on the Lord's side, but he's got, like, healthy desserts, you know, and you eat it in moderation. No, I'm just, sorry. It's the new year, right? We're all thinking about diets, so we're just like, i got to get my life together. Vegetables. Um, and uh, once we get to that place where we're really laid down on the line, and we're like, okay, crucify me, man. Just do it. Let the flesh die. It's easier to choose these things. I think a lot of people struggle because they don't realize that if they would just die, it wouldn't be so hard. And you're, and you're like, just die. It's easy, you know? Just say, God, I quit. I'm just going to do it your way. Really, guys, I'm telling you, that's the most powerful thing you can do towards transformation in your life is just die. Just die, you know, uh, in the sense of your own will and desire. And you're like, but I'll lose everything I love. No, you'll get a better perspective of what you love. You'll get a better idea for how to fulfill your needs. We think we know how to fulfill our needs. And it's like, actually, if you would just die, I would show you how to get your needs met. Just die. It's okay. Just let go of that garbage over there and just let me teach you. Okay. So once that happens, fruit, guys, becomes just natural. Fruit comes out of us because we're allowing God to plant in us in those open spaces. And so I want us to just think about that. What are some areas that I could clear out? Maybe, maybe you've reached that place where you're like, I am crucified with Christ. But there's always like weeds, you know? There's like little things that sprout up, circumstances, family, job stuff, stresses, things like that. We'll have like little fears. And a lot of times it's like, you know... Billy punched you in fifth grade, and now anytime you see somebody like Billy, you're like, you know, we like react to things that are similar to hurts in the past. And so there's like these little things that crop up, and God's like, okay, let's take the word over here, and we're going to spray it on that little thing with the thorns. You know, and we have those areas that need to be continually tilled, the soil that needs to be continually tilled to be fruitful. And that's true, but there's also places that get established in us. God's wanting to establish joy and hope and peace and love and goodness and self-control. Isn't that funny? The Lord doesn't just control you and like with the strings. 
He's like, actually, my spirit is so powerful, you're going to want to control yourself. Wow. Like, you're going to make a choice not to do something, and you're going to tell your soul not to do it because you're so full of the spirit. And, like, we're waiting for this holy moment to, like, make us not do the wrong thing. We're like, I need the presence of God to make sure I don't make a bad choice. It's like, actually, you have self-control living inside of you. And you can choose the right thing because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. God gave you that power. Isn't that great? And so I'm going to open up the altar. And, man, who's ready to die? (laughs) Woo! Man. You know why they call it an altar, right? That's where everything goes to die. (laughs) And come back to life again, praise the Lord. Man, I just feel like this is a good place to be this morning. I feel such an anointing for joy up here. If you are down in the mully grubs and you're like, yeah, it's a new year, I feel like the Lord has something for you. May, you know, you coming up here isn't like flag posting, hey, everyone, I'm a failure, you know? <laughs> Look at me. I don't have it all together. Like, nobody cares. I come up here and I'm just like, man, I just want to touch from the Holy Spirit. Easy peasy. You want to have a moment with the Lord. And sometimes God wants to do things uh, in a fun way. And so I feel like let's just have some fun. Let's die and have fun. I mean, can, can, we, can we do both? And um, if you guys just want to come up, uh, I'm going to lay some hands on people. I just feel like an anointing to impart and stuff. Um, just feel some, some good things happening. And I'd also like just our, our ministry team, um, our regular ministry team to come up as well. And let's just pray for some people. Let's just, who wants to get some junk out this year? Yeah, Amen. Oh, yeah, if you are wanting ministry, please come forward. So we're ready for you. And just stand up here, and we're just going to pray for you. And you can go to prayer ministers as you, I mean, if you like the look of Johnny, go to Johnny. You know, he knows the Holy Spirit.